pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 260. And we're in the mixty. Uh, I'm in the booth with my friends, so let me introduce you to them. I'm not going to waste any more time. It's Alonzo Duralde, America's favorite critic by my calling of it, the Christmas Zaddy himself. What's good? Oh, Iffy, what's good is uh, where I am right now, which is beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, uh, a.k.a. Yeah, that Greenville. Um, I've been here all weekend for Bramble Fest, which is the uh, Deck the Hallmark guys. They do an annual uh, uh, kind of con, I guess, for their network of of podcasts, and uh, their fans are uh, extraordinary people, and they're a lot of fun. And Greenville is really gorgeous. Like, I grew up in the Southeast. It's really great to uh, be reminded what humidity is, because, you know, I get very little of it back in Los Angeles. But this is a cool city with a really, like, a, a great sort of walkable downtown. You got to love any block where there's, like, two indie ice cream shops, like, three doors away from each other. Like, you had me. Stop selling. Uh, yeah, I went to a cool little indie bookstore today called M. Judson. Uh, just a, a, a lovely town. Everything I've eaten has been extraordinary. And, um, you know, just having a blast. It's, it is nice to get out of L.A. every so often. And it's it's also nice to be reminded that there are these cool uh, the towns that are like not huge cities, but they're also not like terrifyingly, you know, small towns either. This seems like a really cool place. I'm glad I'm here. Ooh, that sounds good. And, you know, I, I love a uh, love a bramble, the drink itself. So I'm sure Bramble Fest is, uh, you know, uh, just as delicious. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, we're going to keep the ball rolling to introduce the queen of the Midwest, the super producer, festival programmer extraordinaire with the good hair. Drea Clark was good. Um, Man, not to be variations of a theme. But I literally landed a, f- uh, well, I didn't land the flight. I landed in a flight from Austin, Texas uh, in the last hour and a half. So I also got a taste of Southern humidity, which was a real thrill. I went to Austin for a really good friend's birthday and she had like a dance party where she rented out a club for all of us nerdy friends who tested on their way in. For COVID, we're we're nerds, so not that kind of testing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was great. It was also uh, Austin Pride. We overlapped with oh, that. I was there with a gaggle of lesbians, so really just like soaking in all of the good mojo from that. Um, Did the humidity affect your good hair? I, you know, I'm just going to say right now, I appreciate that you guys think I have good hair because <laughs> I'm, of, I'm of the opinion I'm Drea with the thin hair, so <laughs> I will take this. The humidity didn't, the amount that I face sweat did, ah, it's insane. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, just a, who's your slightly damp friend? Oh, that's Drea. <laughs> that's just what she's like. A little mm. damp. Yeah. Well, it seemed like you were in the position to have a flannel panel, and uh, I don't know if y'all uh, <laughs> dropped the ball there. Mm-hmm. Flannel panel. Good uh, speaking of southern humidity, this is a person who makes me hot with anger, not uh, not not any type of affection. Uh, my my worst enemy, my best friend. Uh, he has pink hair. He uh, you know is the one who constantly is telling me I'm too logged on and to just leave that dang. 
a hell site, but I won't because I'm addicted to it, baby. It is none other than one of the amazing writers from She-Hulk, uh, amazing writer, director himself, uh, former podcast producer of his own, Cody Ziglar. What's good? Uh, I thank you for having me, Ify. I appreciate you uh, dedicating this to one of the Southern gentlemen. Uh, perhaps you'd like to cool yourself with a nice sip of uh, Orange Julius upon my front porch. Uh, I'm doing great, bro. I'm living, man. I'm, I'm thriving. Uh, uh, as 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 Ify already mentioned, I am uh, desperately sprinting away from the app that is Twitter, and I cannot wait to be gone and be free, not to worry about discourse around Catcher in the Rye or, or whatever <laughs> random thing is popping up that no one cares about at this day and age. It's uh, it's uh, as I'm, I'm living. Life is good. Life. I can no notes so far. Life is great, man. I'll say oh. I'm gonna miss you if you actually do leave Twitter. I'm on it. <laughs> Rarely, but I follow just a small enough that I get a good sample. You post more good lunch photos than anyone I know. <laughs> if I'm ever like, I got to get into lunch culture. It's entirely inspired by you uh, and you. Andrew. <laughs> but like, yeah, good stuff. You both cook and go to restaurants. It's, it's yeah, nice, yeah, it's about balance, you know. It's about it's balance. Mixture. You know, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I got to use my powers for good. Um, we were talking about the bear before we started recording, and I used to be a line cook, and Ooh, I was yes, so traumatized yes. that I left the kitchen <laughs> permanently to get in the much less dramatic <laughs> industry of the entertainment business. So, like, really? no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I cook for one. If you, what's good? <laughs> oh man, uh, what's good with me? Well, you know. I gotta say, this was a big weekend uh, for for all of us Dragon Ball Z fans here. Uh, you know, it was the release of Dragon Ball uh, Super Superhero. Uh, we and, and truly, it was. If you're not. I went to go see it with Nicole Byer, who hasn't seen anything from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, and then also my girlfriend, Emily, who also has not seen. And I was like, I was like, it's wow. going to fill you in. But then at the end, I had to be, I had to be like, OK, like, I'm sure you got what happened, but I don't think you understand why what happened was very important. Yeah. I was like, people were were thought Gohan got a got shafted in his growth in the story's arc because Toriyama was like, actually, Goku's tight and we're not going to have go like these. Mm -hmm. If you watch it, if you go back and want to see it is so clear that yeah, Goku's yeah. supposed to pass the torch to Gohan and yeah. they just immediately remix it, make Chi Chi, his mom, force him to go to school instead of fight. <laughs> and in this movie, they have him. We have a new transformation. They they ship off Goku and Vegeta. <laughs> off of the planet to be like there's no way they can step in it's up to him and piccolo mm -hmm. and then they true Stop. just mm. how, uh, how do we podcast the look that a lot blah 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 you? ginger oh my God. <laughs> yeah, look it's you know i love get, it i love your enthusiasm i love a character named chi chi yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> two characters who have been like relegated to the side getting the front row and just really getting it was it was yeah. it was great you know if he is the guy elbowing the women he's with and pointing to the screen and saying that's dragon ball super <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I did that every five minutes. That's, a, that's the that's the Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, but I will say, uh, like, I we went to the Look Dine-In Cinemas, which I, I one thing about getting back to watching movies in theaters again. Yeah, let's never turn away from me being able to eat a full ass fucking pizza with garlic bread and mm-hmm. dumb alcohol in my body while I point at the screen. Uh, but the they. I guess they try and do themed, um, you know, (laughs) meals that they obviously switch out for every movie. Yeah. But the puns were ass. Uh, (laughs) So it was Super Saiyan Soda, which isn't bad. No, that's piccolo pepperoni pizza. Not bad. Goku garlic bread. Not bad. Fried Oreo balls. Which is just the name of the thing. Like that's not a, like like and also it's called Dragon Ball. Like you can say that's fried true. Oreo Dragon Balls, <laughs> yeah. and then right just there. Dragon Drink. <laughs> I like Dragon oh, Drink. That sounds like it'd be like, like, that could be a fun at a party. Yeah, hey, darling, yeah. some Dragon Drink. Dragon Drink sounds like something that like a TikTok rapper would be making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, got yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. It would in involve <laughs> some sort of codeine. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or a variant on Ecto Cooler, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I could sit here and talk about Dragon Ball Z all day, but unfortunately, we're not doing an episode on that. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Prey. Oh, I didn't even know that was going to rhyme. Today on the show, we will separate the predators from the prey amongst us, and then we'll take a hotline call. But first, it's time for Ididic, our movie news segment uh, that stands for Is This Important? Do I Care? The movie news segment where we go through the week's movie news. I've said movie news a million times this <laughs> time, but let me say it one more time. In these movie news we go through, we find out if it's important and if we care. And Alonzo, you're going to kick things off this week. I certainly am. So it turns out that uh, I guess the whole uh, return to theaters is being fueled by children. Because theatrical ticket sales might be up, but the percentage of those sales going to R-rated movies is at its lowest point in 25 years, Axios reports. The only R-rated movie to gross more than $100 million this year has been Nope. In 2021, every movie that made $100 million or more was rated PG-13. Is this important? Do you care? Oh, I do. It is important. This is one of those like, wow, this sounds like in the weeds. Why are we talking about this? But the thing about this, R-rated movies are often so much more interesting. They can be so much more challenging. They're often more original works. And on on just like a basic how math works, yes, of course, family movies do better most of the time because it's right there in the name. You bring the whole family. You're not buying a single ticket. You're buying four and all the popcorn and whatever merchandise crap goes with it. But then they also are more likely to have an IMAX, which charges more Mm. or like be on screens that are going to cost more. And box office doesn't differentiate like what kind of ticket Mm -hmm. you're getting just the number of tickets the bummer for me on the r-rated like that's a lot of your indies that's a lot of the people who are like trying to make a name for themselves trying to do something fresh and original and studios don't need another excuse to turn down adult exactly exactly (laughs) and it's really hard when we're always arguing like oh artistically and culturally we really We should be getting more of these movies. We should be seeing more of them. And then to have an exec be able to point at this like easy bottom line and be like, yeah, those movies don't make me money, babe. That's what my head, they call me, babe. You got to trim it down to PG-13. 
Yeah, like, I can't believe the genre film, the the horror low budget genre didn't beat out Iron Man five. Like, who would have thought that didn't? <laughs> that work, you know? Who knew? Well, and, <laughs> and the thing is, the the ones that could, like, exa- nope, is the horror genre. Like that that yeah. did well, but like, the, and it's on IMAX screens. <laughs> exactly, it's on IMAX mm-hmm. screens. It has this amalgamate, like the the points that it's bringing in in terms of who its audience is, who Jordan Peele speaks to, like. The horror in general, like all of those things, that's a rarity. That's not like, oh, okay. Well, like any sci-fi tinged horror <laughs> psychodrama can do, you know. I mean, everything everywhere was rated R and did really well, but it just didn't. It hasn't crossed the magical hundred yeah. million dollar threshold. But it's certainly, I would argue, probably this the year's most profitable film. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, Nope had a much bigger budget than that. <laughs> yeah. Much bigger. Larger effects department. Yeah. I was like, I've talked many times, they had seven people doing effects for that movie. <laughs> so yes, it's important to me and I care. And people, <laughs> you know, we're always like, yes, support physical media, buy things. Please also look at your box office choices. Yeah. Mm. It's your mm. consider it a vote. You're voting every, voting every time. Voting with your dollars. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, lobbying. <laughs> That's a, little, a little political humor for yeah. y'all listeners. <laughs> sure. Lobbying right. is when Ify hangs out of the popcorn counter and tries to get the digits. <laughs> um, speaking of movies. Yeah. Right the, not going to not. Um, a Ferris Bueller. Bueller. Bueller spinoff is in the works. I have to do that part. It's, <laughs> however, it is not about Ferris or Sloan or even Cameron. The movie will follow the exploits of the two valet drivers who took Cameron's dad's Ferrari on a joyride in the original 1986 film. This will be a Paramount picture, of course. It comes to us by way of the team that adapted Karate Kid into the Netflix series Cobra Kai, and two of whom are incidentally the writers of Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Is this important? Do you care? Uh, I do not care, uh, but it seems like uh, just like about, I'm not in like a shady way. I just like I'm, I'm probably not going to watch that movie, but like who cares? But like I, I, this seems to me like um, if I had just had to guess if there's any if it goes like how any experiences I've had with like these type of meetings with studios is like you get like literally uh, a list of IP of like 700 titles and it's so daunting and you're like looking at shit that you haven't thought of in like 40 years and there's like silent German films that were made like 1920 that you're going to spin off in movies like okay whatever it's like you're given this this a massive list and like they probably had several pitches for several ideas and they're like uh yeah those two characters were fun let's see what they were about and they're like Paramount was like yep let's make this movie and they're like oh fuck okay let's I guess we're making a movie let's go like that's that's in my little cartoon brain like that's how that works because like I, I don't I, I don't know maybe they love these characters so much but it, 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 it is it would strike me as odd to be like oh this is a passion project like but maybe they do like I don't know those cats but it is that's how I that's how I see it works no I feel like you were in the room yeah. We're the real Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of, you know, Ferris Bueller. So I, I think it's really time we give them the hooks. I would rather see an Abe Froman Sausage King of Chicago movie, but that's me. <laughs> um, 
I, it saddens me that, you know, uh, Richard Edson will be 70 Thank by you. the time this movie comes out. And Larry Flash Jenkins is no longer with us. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they'll cast, you know, a couple of, you know, TikTok influencers or something. And it'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Please, if you remember the original Valet guys, Richard Edson's the one that always sticks in my head because he has that, like, amazing mustache. And he started <laughs> Jim Jarmusch's Stranger Than Paradise, among many mm-hmm. other things. But... Please just know, like the, the idea that he will more be known as one of the valet guys. From <laughs> Bueller, First like, line in his obit. That's, that's already ready for that. Be a well, lot you, for him. You guys said that they also did the Harold and Kumar movies. So like, I mean, that is like that's that's the the, the same. Like that's the the movie is like you know two dudes yeah. going like a road trip. So like they sure, cracked that's that. The credential so like, you want to bring to this table. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, and I, I'll say as much as this is something that I'm like, oh yeah, this is all this is all part of the sausage like this is Hmm. the factory itself there's still a lot of fun that could be found here and i'd much rather have them do this in the year of our lord 2022 than in 1987 the year after this came (laughs) out like don't don't give me a ferris bueller like cinematic universe back then yeah yeah no thank you do it when fine tinge it with nostalgia take a different angle Mm -hmm. and who knows like also, I, I'd like to see those guys whip the car behind the back of the, you know, the float <laughs> that Ferris is standing yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun time by the Art Institute. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. yeah, I'm trying to think like how many like actual studio high concept comedies have come out, and like I can't think of any in a long time that have come out in a while. While so like it'd be nice just like a, a, a presumably big budget studio comedy because yeah. i haven't seen oh, like, one of those in a the, long the time 20 the 21 jump street ones oh yeah those were great like, i was like like yeah. people were like they made a 21 drum street movie and then like they were some of the funniest comedies that dropped that yeah. decade yeah yeah that seems like a fun uh fun wild ride but you know what else was a fun wild ride was dragon ball super yeah. superhero oh you know uh, yeah 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 and you know uh, unfortunately for the iebcu the idris elba b cinematic universe <laughs> uh <laughs> The, the anime movie crushed it mm-hmm. with a 21 million uh, debut. The number one movie in America last weekend <laughs> was Dragon Ball Super Superhero. What a time because, to be alive. Wow. Because let me tell you something. If there's one thing that'll get weebs out of their house, it's yes. seeing their their cartoons on the big screen, yes. baby. Yes. Uh, in fact, Superhero raked in twice as much money as Beast. It's the latest in a string of impressive anime openings here in the U.S. for Crunchyroll, which is owned by Sony. Is this important? Do you care? I, I am fascinated by this because I had I had heard something where theater distributors were talking about how nothing was coming out in August and September, basically. How they're all just like, they can't wait for Wakanda Forever to show up because mm. there's just like not like any sort of big yeah. l- late summer motors. A- and so, I mean, I guess this is a time for a surprise like this. I didn't see it coming. If you're a fan of this stuff, like... Did, you know, did you imagine that this is the kind of movie that was going to be number one for the weekend? Uh, actually, no, it is kind of surprising to me, uh, but it seems to be like an interesting trend, uh, which mm-hmm. I think in the grand, if I take a step back and just look at meta anime bullshit, yeah. uh, like you, the one thing that really kind of can suck about anime, well, not one thing, one, one of the things <laughs> that can one. suck about anime fans <laughs> yeah. is that they're so pro pirating and always like, like never wanting to like support with their dollars. So it is showing like a fun turn in this new generation of fans that are going out to buy these movies instead of like sitting at home and waiting for them to rip it because we saw it happen with the Jujutsu Kaisen movie and yeah. the My Hero Academia movie. So this is cool. I just, you know, 
I hope that we just let it rock and this just mm. comes out as it comes out. We just coincide. I hope the American, you know, side doesn't try and force anything. Oh, iffy. Doesn't try and <laughs> doesn't you're try. Like, you're, you're, you're projecting reality. <laughs> you, think, you think any studio is going to look at, oh, this thing came out of nowhere and did over 20 million box office opening weekend. I bet we can replicate it a million times. Also, that what it's like a $10 million budget film. Like, it's not a super expensive. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the the IP is the big seller. It is on the other side of the PG-13 chart is the uh, let's make some money on anime yeah. charts. Well, so yeah. this is actually a perfect example. Beast, of course, being the kind of mid-budget 30 yeah. to $40 million R-rated movies for adults, original content. Like, oh, this is a whole new, and this is just like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Love <laughs> to see this continue the shape of things. But it, it also is interesting how much the headlines loved pitting these two movies against each other as if like, oh, you know who's did the direct competitive audience? Dragon Ball super superhero and Beast. Like a movie about a man and his two teenage daughters being stalked by a lion. Like what? what? Those are not the same. And also it, the other thing will be interesting. Anime typically doesn't have the longest legs. Like they, tip, yeah. they often mm -hmm. have like big weekends sure and then all mm -hmm. of those people who love mm -hmm. to be pirates go home and yeah, like yeah. torrent that stuff and don't go back whereas other things can grow anyway i mm -hmm. you just always but, have to like make it competitive in annoying ways and i don't like it it's not friendly you guys yeah I, one thing i i, I also want to say i want to do a side of the dick was the news that came out about idris elba's daughter auditioning for these <laughs> and, and they were like she thought well it, it, one thing that's funny is like the the thr the tweet that i saw was threaded and all these people was like yeah you gotta earn it you gotta earn that shit i'm like yeah uh-huh like the rest of these uh celebrities kids earned it eat my ass yeah. like, like, I'm, sorry. I'm like idris elba went down the same the the black dad central was like yeah i'm gonna make you earn it i was like I, idris go ahead and give her the, the thing i ain't gonna name names but some of these directors daughters is barely skating by in my eyes yeah like we got we get we getting we getting some great performance i'm like yeah i love the part about how they didn't have chemistry yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the I, that i would literally fight my dad for <laughs> Oh, I would love to have been there for that and conversation. Then, and then after she didn't get hired, she didn't speak to him for three weeks. Good yeah. for her. <laughs> Which is like baseline kid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just teenagers you know what? Do that, that, anyway. that girl has absolutely screenshot and texted him every single one of these articles about his movie mm -hmm. getting beaten by Dragon Ball <laughs> Super Super. Damn, Kino. you wish you yeah. had me in there, huh? Yeah. She's wearing a Dragon Ball Super shirt while doing it. Yeah, you know they're at dinner when they. When she, got, when she got the email, I'll be like, what's this, Dad? He's like, oh, sorry. The thing is, we couldn't have you on. There's no chemistry, right, love? But I still love you. I'll see you in three months when we're done with shaking the thing it's, or whatever. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Just business, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? That's the new show. I need the, the, the Elba family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanging with the Elbas. Let me yeah, see yeah, yeah, yeah. that, please. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> On that note, while me and Zig go ahead and write up this uh, pitch doc for hanging with the Elvis, yeah. we're going to take a break. But when we come back, the hunter becomes the hunted and then becomes the hunter again. We're talking about prey. <laughs> so.
So you've probably heard about microdosing. And if not, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. Yeah, with everything going on and all the work that we have to do, sometimes it feels like we're just getting chased down by an otherworldly predator trying to hunt us down and uh, take us away from our tribe. So a way to keep things chill and relaxed, uh, maybe pop a loomy gummy and just let it all fade away. And who knows, maybe next time you'll use your problems mask to take it out. Oh, wow. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MAXFILM to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, if you want to in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Cody Ziegler, Alonzo Duralde. And 35 years after the original Predator movie, Prey is the latest installment in the franchise. But the story it tells is a prequel set hundreds of years before the events of that first movie. It was released straight to small screens, where it was the biggest premiere in Hulu history. So Alonzo, why don't you tell us what Prey is all about? Uh, sure, yeah. This is from Dan Trachtenberg, who directed the uh, very good uh, sequel, 10 Cloverfield Lane. And this is another very good sequel. Amber Midthunder stars as Naru. She is uh, a Comanche woman living in the northern plains in the late uh, 18th century. Uh, and uh, she is very skilled at the kind of things that Comanche women were expected to do in terms of uh, healing and medicines and finding food. But she is also a very skilled warrior and wants to be, uh, wants to run with the other warriors who, of course, are all men and who generally don't take her seriously, with the exception uh, of her brother Ta'abe, played by Dakota Beavers. Um, she wants to go on this quest, which involves uh, hunting something that is hunting you. And boy, howdy, does she get to when a predator shows up and like, you know, eats a bear in front of her. Uh, and uh, turns out that even though he's got the spaceship and the super advanced cloaking technology, uh, she knows a thing or two as well and is going to give him a run for his money in Prey. Going into Prey, did, did anyone like really know anything about this? Like I pretty much knew it was a Predator movie going into. My favorite mm -hmm. thing was the person I watched it with didn't know it was a Predator movie. Oh, wow. And so everyone who was with us <laughs> wow. agreed to just shut up and see when he would figure it out. And of course, <laughs> of course, when that 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 signature click happens, yeah. like that's when he was like, oh, and so it was really fun to see. Uh. And I and that's one thing I kind of wish because I can tell they kind of wanted to do that where they were mm -hmm. like, we don't want to fully like mm -hmm. let you know this is about to be a predator movie. We want you to go in and then have it like surprise you. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, you know, if, if you watch trailers, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the trailer. Uh, so I knew what was happening. Also, I am a big predator franchise fan. Um, I'll say like truly, uh, you know, the first one I think is a fantastically made um, movie. Uh, like f even from just like a crafting standpoint, like it's it's really really well directed, well written. Um, you know, you can definitely tell when Arnold actually gives a good performance in movies and he cares about. It. Like that movie is full of every across the board, which is great. Uh, and then you know the, some of the sequels I didn't enjoy as much, but this one felt like a really great um, 
uh, return to that form where like it's a simple it's just all these movies these premises are so simple it's an alien hunting a thing somewhere away from technology that's how they work it's they're fighting green berets they're fighting a cops they're they're fighting uh, a comanche warrior they're fighting samurais like whatever like the premise needs to be so simple like that's what these movies that's how these movies work and i think that's what made this movie work so well is that the premise was so so simple it is and it's exciting that it like went even back to simplicity because i think Mm. you know they the more you expand a franchise the more convoluted it can be of well we really want to keep the the guy that's sort of see-through and has the clicks what's his backstory exactly (laughs) like wow can we do something where we get like a gritty realism of what his motivation like it just can be more and more convoluted this is stripped down in the best kind of way And then it's also something, like, oddly, to compare this with the Ferris Bueller thing, the idea of getting someone with an artistic vision Mm -hmm. to take on an existing IP and say, what can you do with this? What can you do Mm -hmm. that's new and interesting and engaging? And to have it be even one step beyond is great. Like, I, I really loved the setting of this and also that... Even within, I was like, oh, cool. I'm 100% down. All the white people in this are terrible. But that there's also levels. I'm like, oh, watch out, French Canadian trappers. You don't even know. Like, that there was like levels of that as well of, yeah, we're not going to ignore all of these things. But that to, to then even within that, look at like, this is a woman who we're seeing is in this marginalized space in this mm. um, this group that's being infringed upon and whatever. And yet she is also sub-marginalized within <laughs> that. And like, mm. that's an exciting place to put your hero, right? Yeah. Like you, if you're starting with an, a unique and interesting underdog, it's better story-wise. This is why the critiques against people who get all snooty about representation, I'm like, well, Look at the story possibilities. Like this girl's journey is a hundred percent more interesting to me mm-hmm. than if I was just following the band of dudes that yeah. started the hunt in the beginning. Yeah. Although when I met the brother, because I do watch motion pictures regularly, and that whole thing was set up, I was like, "That guy's gonna die." Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I like you, guy, but you're gonna die. Uh, yeah. I mean, as somebody who's not particularly a fan of the Predator franchise after the first one, I, I was really excited by this, and it was that reinvigorating thing of a movie that you don't think you want to see or a, a an idea that you don't think you want to go back into it done well again it can absolutely turn it around for you and be this like really thrilling thing and so yeah I, I why not send the predator back to various different you know time periods why not have him land at Versailles I don't know yeah uh, but you know I <laughs> wait think, but go the, back yes <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch we oui, we oui. Pre- predator versus uh, uh, pinhead I don't know <laughs> um, but no I you know you're but you're right it is actually I think it is such a fascinating character and in such a specifically you know, a, a time and place that we don't often get to see in movies and, and from that perspective, and then throwing this science fiction element in it where all of all, all of her, like, substantial, you know, skills are in a very analog place involving, you know, sticks and rocks and, mm-hmm. you know, whatnot, whereas this guy's got alien cloaking technology or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it always goes back to the, when they made that Three Stooges movie, and I thought... 
this is going to be the worst thing. Why are we doing this? And then I laughed my ass off through the whole thing. So <laughs> never assume that you know the, that a franchise, that, that, that it's something you don't want to see because there's always the, the possibility of being surprised. Yeah, and also there's just the, you know, taking out, you taking a step back from just the, the, the sort of the, the artistic, the, the criticism of it or the artistic criticism of it. It's like, even like the the importance like culturally like having like a, a preservation of like a language like I I mean I am not that well versed in, in native films outside of like smoke signals like that's the only one that I can think of and like reservation dogs but like you know having a film that has a full Comanche dub has got to be great just culturally have like hey here's a preservation of a language on tape oh, on tape I'm like 87 years old <laughs> <laughs> here's a preservation of like uh, of, of, a, of a language of a cultural milestone that people can go back and rewatch and listen and see oh this is what it sounded like so it's hopefully is going to get lost to like time like so many other languages are lost like that's a super powerful thing also the fact that you know that the cast is primarily like native and they speak Comanche. And like, I think that I really enjoyed about this um, from a storytelling perspective is that like when the French fur trappers show up, like they're not subtitled, like you don't know what they're saying unless you speak French. So like I personally, like as I was, I watched it in English. I was like, man, it'd be really cool if you could just see uh, another version of this in like Comanche. And then I found out they have a Comanche dub yeah. on Hulu. It's like, and I was watching that earlier today. I was like, Oh, this is like so fucking cool and so dope. And like all executives need to understand is like, all you gotta do is take an idea and like give it, and just to make it like fresh and interesting, like put some brown people in it and like let them get their hands on it. And like you can make it so much more interesting off the bat than just seeing the same story you've seen a hundred times for the past 100 years. Like it's all that it takes. A thing I wanted to ask you about since you're a writer on She Hulk, uh, we're now seeing the wave of bullshit about She Hulk that we saw when Prey began, which yeah. is heaven forbid you have a central female character who is capable mm-hmm. and powerful because then that means that you're propping up some phony thing and it's. Mm-hmm. You know, woke, blah, blah, and how can the men can't be, blah, you know, and it's yeah. just like it, it happens every time like clockwork, yeah. thanks to the usual band of trolls. And so uh, as somebody who watched it happen and I was now, I assume, soaking in it, I just was mm-hmm. wondering about your perspective about having these characters who are good at their jobs, which is what we <laughs> like to see men doing movies all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, it's the same fucking story you hear every single time anything comes out with that it doesn't have a straight white dude in it. So, like, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, I do comic books, like, I'm just immune to that. But, like, yeah, you know, Jessica Gao, who's the creator or, of the show and the head of the show, like, she is a Chinese lady. Like, she was born in China. She lived in China until she was four, came to America, and then was sent back to China by her parents so she could, like, preserve her language. Like, that's what she grew up with. So, like, she grew up, like, she grew up here as, like, a, as a Chinese lady who worked in male-dominated writer's room who had dealt with so much shit and like yeah that's that's the everyday experience like as a black dude I'm sure if you contested this too like the amount of crazy shit that we get talked to the people explain shit to us like and we have like the 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 the, the mail fucking box checked so like taking that away it's just like anyone that actually cares just it doesn't affect them because like obviously these arguments are not based in like actual they don't give a shit about like well, yeah. they don't give a shit like they don't care they're doing it to get views and get tr- the troll and shit like they they're looking to get interactions and, and get um get some recognition and because like no one cares about this stuff outside of like these small internet circles people yell at dudes yelling yeah. at each other but I think also the thing that annoys me the most, too, about these like Mary Sue arguments and this mm-hmm. and that and all mm-hmm. this and the men struggling the women is a lot of these men, nine times out of ten. I'll and, and I do this because I'm a psycho meathead. I'll go through their profile. <laughs> yeah. I'll look for pictures of them. Yeah. These are not strong men. And I say this as a strong man. These are men who I'm like the actress playing this role is stronger <laughs> you, than you. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
period point blank like it, and it, and that's i think what is annoying and it does make me feel bad for like the women in their life because mm-hmm. whenever i see arguments like that it's like oh you just don't believe that women can be strong you think that you really did like the the, the patriarchy won with you like because you can't see and and to me it's even even wilder because you know especially a lot of like native and a lot of like African Mm -hmm. societies were built on matriarchies where we just knew the power of women. So like to me, you're you're just, you're an, you're an idiot. (laughs) But adding to the idiocy is if they actually watch this film, which of course, none of these people do. Of course not. Like you're never going to take this stance. One of the main points of it is this female hunter is so skilled and is so ultimately successful not from brute strength, but because she's intelligent and cunning. And like mm-hmm. the time that she's put in as a hunter, what she's learned about tracking animals, looking for small details, remembering things. And it was one of those, like I watched this with my best friends in Minnesota who are not movie people who never see anything. And I often, also cause I normally see things by myself. So I was like, oh no, I'm talking way more than I normally would during this. But I was so excited by the small, story breadcrumbs and what they're giving us for this woman's character of like mm-hmm. oh now we just learned that she knows how to do this we just yeah. learned yeah. that right. she just took in this information like yeah. you are watching and it's not on the nose it's not like oh I get it she's doing this but it's so built up so her strengths are all there like how yeah. she's fighting and what she's bringing to the table and yeah. why she's earned the fact to be this hero. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah. But also very early on, like what you see is her biggest hindrance is her confidence within herself. Mm. So, you know, like yep. she, 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 like she can't make the move. She, she, she second guesses herself and she can't do it. So when you see that jump, because I remember with the person I was watching, they're like, oh, she's got so much, you know, she, now she knows how to do all this stuff. And then somebody watching it with us was like, oh yeah, she believes in herself now. Yeah. She saw, like she saw, the predator like fucking decimate these French dudes yeah. and was like and she and she so it is like that moment where it is like now that she's self-assured she can follow through with all of the breadcrumbs they left all of these things she learned she can trust in it mm-hmm. and start uh, beating ass it's really it's really just like simple it's like such storytelling 101 like if you've read any myth ever like this is just what it is and it's so <laughs> funny that people still like actually she couldn't do that it's like do you think Hercules could tame a golden lion or whatever <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, I was saying, if you, when you check the profiles of these guys, see how many of them like John Wick. Don't ask about his abilities. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Yes, what? John indeed. Wick is science. That yeah, happens. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing, and, and Marissa had actually pointed this out in her in her thoughtful notes, but one of the things that stood out to me too of like that this movie is weaving through all of these things in like a straightforward yet subtle way. But the other thing, when they bring up those trappers, like there's these, the idea of who the threats are and, and mm. what threats actually matter in our yeah. lives. And if you're spending your whole life, like, Oh no, I better. It's like being um, a food prepper or like, Oh, I'm going to prepare for them. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to stock up all these things when it's like, cool. Well, there's, you know, there's these fur trappers that just killed all of the Buffalo. Yeah. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't the <clears throat> weird, like alien. I, the alien who I always love when people bag on the predators being like, 
the dumbest ET that got left behind because he always gets smoked. Like, yeah. why did the dumbest one end up here? Who cares? We got him. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked that that compare contrast as well. That like it also it's simple, but it's still not just like an A to B to C story. Yeah. Well, they have, they have like the extra little the little extraterrestrial threat, but they have like the actual evil, which is like these fur trappers. Like, there's right. even a beat in the moment where the predator's like, "What the what is this? Like, you guys are just like wasting all, what, what's going on? Like, I, now I have to murk you for the code of my people. Like, like like yeah, the predator is like the physical evil, but the real the real threat yeah. is like obviously like these colonizers coming in and like sweeping through and killing all these animals for for fucking fur for for capitalism again. Yeah. Hey, I spun it back in. Spun it back yeah, in. Yeah, you did. Finally, <laughs> hit my oh, and my, and my, my last thing that I know I'd kick myself if I didn't say the other thing I appreciate about this, like I love what Zig said about Comanche being preserved because mm. there are a lot of indigenous languages that mm-hmm. are literally dying out in real time and and having just any sort of cultural way to mix those in is is exciting. But the other thing is I think especially as Americans and looking at our country and its history of genocide and of taking over and but so much any any colonizer the idea is like oh well we had guns and they had arrows so they were doomed from the start like we were superior in some way Mm -hmm. so a movie that centers its heroine but also like the the supporting fighters around her of people who are this analog kind of fighting that are this like the less armed exactly like yeah we have bows and arrows but we're also shrewd and we know nature and we know Mm -hmm. how to read a situation and so to watch them triumph with what they had versus what the fur trappers had Mm -hmm. i i think that those are like important lessons like they're small those are that's part that's the power of cinema right of like oh just the constant introduction of perspective of like yeah don't think of the people who are like native or like oh they're alone on an island they've never even seen a camera or whatever like that doesn't make them lesser or less (laughs) badass like yeah Trust me, when a predator comes down, that's just really always what it's going to come down to. <laughs> Who's going to beat the predator? It's probably yeah. not going to be you. Yeah. Only time will tell who can beat a predator. Uh, you know, uh, well, any last thoughts before we uh, hop into these uh, doing the vote? Huh? Yeah, Amber Midthunder is a star. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I never watched Roswell, New Mexico. I think Dave watched a little because that's actually where he spent his teenage years. Uh, but yeah, I had never seen her before. It's like, she's got it. You know, she does not have to speak to be the center of attention, to be the mm-hmm. focus. Uh, she is physical she has a presence she uh it just yeah I, I i can't wait to see what this what doors this opens for her and i hope it yeah. does yeah and she's often acting against nothing like yeah. she's <laughs> yeah. acting yeah. against things that are filled in later and a dog or like a six foot her. seven dude oh, like. and the yeah. dog is a star too oh, <laughs> oh yeah Oh, they they really did it to us. They kept they kept dangling that dog and dangling. This is gonna be a movie where we kill this dog. You don't know. You don't know. Dot com. Vote, All right, y'all. Vote, vote. Put your votes in. Uh, I, I would say screen it, and I mean literally. I would love to screen it. I, this movie was released directly to Hulu, and if I ever get the chance to see it on a big screen, I would like to take advantage of that because mm-hmm. they. This is also a western on top of everything else. Yeah. You know, it you you they really make good use of the Great Plains setting, and uh, there's a lushness to the cinematography and a and an expanse to everything. And uh, I would it would be great to to get to see this play on a big screen. But even on Hulu. 
It's really kick-ass and a very, uh, like I said, a very pleasant surprise. Whatever your feelings about this franchise are, this is the, this is how you do it well. Yeah, this was never my franchise. I think I've only seen the original Predator, and I saw it many years ago. And so seeing this, I honestly, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to revisit the original now. But it is, it is a bummer that it wasn't done theatrically, because yeah. I think it deserves it. And could have played really well but you know that's the world we're in so there we are but i would be a screen it i think this is it's a great movie experience i think you'd have fun watching it i'm gonna repeat it screen it it's it was one of my it's one of the, my favorite movies i've seen uh this year uh definitely for my money probably tied for like the best entry into the predator uh series uh, I, I i got invited to the premiere and i did not go because i was working and i kicked myself because i would have loved to see this on on the yeah. screen, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's also as we were talking about earlier. Like, I don't know the exact budget for this movie, but it was not a lot. It was like a mid-budget sci-fi horror movie, and wow. you do not see those a lot anymore. And uh, I'm I'm glad that these things are still being made, uh, and also like the scale of it. Like, it's a very it's for all the action happens. Like, there's not much talking in the movie. It's just. Uh, it's just Mid Thunder acting her ass off against a dog or the open sky for most of the movie. So like she kills it. I can't wait to see her uh, get her get her flowers. Yeah. Look, that's going to be a screen it for your boy. Not just, of course, you got to see it on the big screen. I wasn't invited uh, to the premiere. Uh, and Zig didn't even tell me because I would have mm. pushed him to, to not <laughs> go to work and uh, go to this premiere. You just slapped like, the pink wig on. And yeah, 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 yeah. I would have came through. You know, uh, I feel like people would be like, all right, that's him. <laughs> All right, that's him. Go ahead and get in here. I ain't going to question it. I don't want to be accidentally no, racist. <laughs> <laughs> Jiu-jitsu that shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. You just got to you just got to come come through with with just the the right amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's rated R studio chiefs. Yeah, so yep. Yep. we'll be right back over here from another show for Maximum Fun, but stay right there. We got a lot more show left. Huh? Not a lot, but we have more show. <laughs> <laughs> we have more. Some, we have yeah. some more. We have, we have yeah. more show. I wouldn't sure. say a lot. Time isn't real. Show. It's hard. To, who can even measure it? <laughs> Time's a construct. Yeah, it's a construct. It could happen to you. You're all grown up now. A professional adult with diverse interests and hobbies. And one of those hobbies is... Video games. You just can't help it. They're so good now. If that's you, we're here to tell you, you are completely normal. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And together we form Triple Click, a podcast about video games. If you think you might be a person who likes video games, we hope you'll give Triple Click a listen. Triple Click, new episodes every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! 
Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadi Way. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Cody Ziegler, Drea Clark. And we've got a hotline question in our email box. And this Woo-hoo. one's from Greg, who writes, I started listening to the pod after the block party last year. And safe to say, I'm unreasonably hooked. I adore the incredible insight you all have into each film you talk about. If he's sharp humor. Oh, there's a you in humor. I'm using the right accent. Drea's endless expertise and Alonzo's incredibly relatable experiences as a fellow queer keeps me coming back for more day after day. The question that has been on my mind is this. What story would you like to be retold in a different context? Think Fire Island as a queer retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Personally, as a Welshie myself, ah, yeah, I would please have... switch this to a Welsh accent. If yeah, this is it. This is it. Just slide seamlessly like, into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Welsh in here. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see an all-Welsh POC retelling of the Arthurian myths. I like that. I want that, too. Reclaiming the story back from the English who stole it. Hey, talk that talk. It's spicy. And doing away with the all-white casting too commonly seen in fantasy. This is the the first time I feel bad about using an English accent. (laughs) I think you just wrote this. Because you had to say Arthurian? Yeah. (laughs) I'm incredibly curious to hear what you'll all say. Can't wait to listen to more of your brilliant pod. It's Gray. Uh, thank you so much, Gray. And yes, that's the thing. If if you don't leave in your voice, I you leave me to yeah. just choose a voice and thank, read. Thank your, you, Gray, uh, and we apologize. <laughs> thank you, Gray. Sorry about the whales uh, via Wakanda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That you yeah. Just got. yeah, we were talking about well, Ibby's episodes of Torchwood. Or something. <laughs> This um, is me doing Dalton Abbey, Dalton Abbey, you know, Dalton by the Dalton Abbey. We're in physical pain now. I do. I love this question. I mean, I yeah. I feel like our listeners always have really good questions. So, thank you for writing in, Gray, and giving us mm. that one. Um, and I also I really like because of course we loved Fire Island, and that's such a good starting point in terms of revisiting stories. I, again, you guys, I love to prep. Uh, I love to think about things for a little bit. And I decided what I would really like to do. And now I'm realizing that it's truly the theme of this entire show has been uh, revisiting IP in a new way. (laughs) And it's tied through here. You guys, I want to make a female trading places. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I want the, the Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. Ooh, yeah. Right? Minus, uh... Minus the, the weird homophobia <laughs> and unnecessary angles, but I feel like th- that's it. It's I mean, and to make it super funny, but she's going to keep anyway, the blackface though. <laughs> oh Jesus! There's a full, yeah. there's a full that's a, that's, yeah, that's a, I was gonna say there's more than one. Oh yeah, no, that's staying. That's my that's my poster. Excuse me, Alonzo. <laughs> I can't wait to have Dakota Johnson in blackface in my trading places. Um, but I, no, I think that as a premise, like it's such a classic one in terms of ooh, there's hijinks and whatever but it's also it is i rewatched this over christmas and had a oh i had conveniently forgotten that there's uh the aforementioned white face or that someone has like sexual relations with the chimpanzee and they're oh, yeah. non-consensual like just a lot of things in there i'd forgotten about but the the central premise of it i think is ripe for like 
both comedy and commentary. Like it's the whole thing is a it's a class and socioeconomic study. It's all the sort of taking place. And then the the fun of it is that these guys who are convinced that they're like the masters of the universe and like, oh, we understand finance and no one understands finance except for <laughs> finance people. And then having someone be like, yeah, no, man, like people like oranges. So we should probably <laughs> sell a lot of oranges. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's a lot. I think I could do some very fun casting with that. Um, I would also definitely get rid of the weird. If you rewatch Trading Places and you're like, there's no world where Jamie Lee Curtis, who's like a beautiful <laughs> sex worker, is like, yes, let me just take care of this destitute helpless, Dan destitute <laughs> poor man in the form of Dan Aykroyd. Like, no, thank you. Like, he's like insults her from the first minute. Image. Anyway, trading places. I'm going to make trading places. Ooh, okay. I mean, my, my first thought was like, you know, uh, All About Eve is sort of suffused with queerness, but I'd kind of like just to go all the way with it, uh, you know, but that, that might be just a very light skip and a jump. So then, of course, I was thinking about the movie that I love to torture Dre by bringing up, which is my beloved Two for the Road. Two for the Road. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what I like, one of the things that I like about that movie is that it is a portrait of a relationship over the first like eight or ten years of you know, getting together, being married, having children. And I was thinking about how we don't get a lot of queer movies that cover that kind of real estate. It's either mm. about couples getting together, sometimes it's about older couples dealing with end of life issues or middle age or whatever. But like the, what happens after, you know, they get together and make a go of it. And then what are those early rocky years like? How do you get through the stuff that you inevitably do in the early years of a relationship where you're still sussing each other out and dealing with other issues and other people and trying to like forge ahead with this new and fragile thing that you've built? Um, you know, I haven't really seen a lot of queer movies that delve into that. You know, any any kind, any stripe of LGBT, LGBTQ, uh, if you want to do it that way. But I think that would be a really interesting story that hasn't been plumbed much yet in uh, the cinema. Oh. Also, I'm I'm definitely I just noted that on my two for the road tally. Um, <laughs> Drink. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think my pick would be uh, something uh, that I think just would be funny to see with black people. Which is uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? Like I'd love to see, I'd love to see all the like justifications they would get into, and just like like I just feel like it'd be so much more heightened, and just with like just like that. Uh, sorry to bother you, level. Oh yeah, just yeah, yeah. Like, I hope you have a great day, like, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like oh no, nah, no, nah, don't worry. It's gonna be me at the end of the week. You know? like, <laughs> are we speaking or are we talking? <laughs> I also yeah, feel like that would come up with a much better and catchier thing than always be closing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, no, no, it's still gonna be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. be as a matter of fact, it's gonna be even harder to always be closing. Yeah. <laughs> you got any picks, Zig? Uh, I do. Uh, since we were talking about like horror genre films, uh, this particularly a horror comedy, one of the best to ever do it, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I would always wanted to see, uh, so halfway through the movie, um, Sean meets uh, this lady named Yvonne, which was an ex, and you see that she has an exact mirror team that Sean had, which right. means that she had gone to her own adventure. So I, I've always wanted to see what they went through when they were dealing with the zombie apocalypse. So like, I'd like to see Ooh. Yvonne's team's perspective of like what it was like in London. When and then the they zombies... run into the guys from Ferris Bueller. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they, they have a car. They yeah, get yeah. a ride from the valet cars. Yeah, they jump well, a hill so high, so high in Chicago, they sail across the Atlantic <laughs> and they land they in London. They end up in the Midlands. <laughs> huh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was a banger. I would watch all these, and um, if I get the funding, we we'll make them. Oh, we'll perfect. make them in that order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, or and for that matter, why don't we remake Hello Dolly with the all black cast the way they did it on Broadway <laughs> when they brought in Pearl Bailey and Cab Calloway? Because the Hello Dolly movie is not good, and it is bloated and excessive. <laughs> and I think you could do a lean and mean one with like a cool new cast, uh, all black, doing Thornton Wilder, and it would it would rock. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, look, thanks to Gray. Thank you, Gray. Yeah, thank you, Gray, for that great question. That was solid. That was fun to answer. And look, if you're thinking, I got I got some fun questions, too, you can send us a hotline question at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org, either by writing it in or, you know, recording a voice memo and sending it our way. If you write it in, time. you can uh, say what kind of accent you'd like Ify to read it in. <laughs> you know what? Do that at your at your own risk, because I like you've heard me try accents on this pod. If you're a long time listener and i will try but it doesn't mean it'll be good <laughs> all right well let's get on to that the, the staff picks it could be any movie at all uh who wants to start oh i will uh so you know i think there is a lot to be said for things like subtlety and restraint uh and then sometimes you're like fuck it Throw that out the window and give me Orphan First Kill, the uh, prequel to Orphan, which is on Paramount+. Plus. Does it reach the bonkers uh, heights of Orphan? Uh, no, but you know what? You don't you don't pick on like uh, uh, Kilimanjaro for not being Everest or vice versa, whichever one of those is taller. I don't know uh, because it's it's still loony pants. Yes, Isabel Furman is now a twenty five year old woman, which is not the same as being a twelve year old actress <laughs> in the first movie. But we're gonna, and it's a prequel, but we're gonna work around that and we're gonna we're gonna figure out stuff. And uh, this movie has one of the greatest like. You've got to be fucking kidding me! Twists I've seen in a, movie in a while, and that's in a movie that isn't the first Orphan. Uh, so uh, I, I, I definitely recommend go to Paramount Plus if you've never seen Orphan. Start there, buckle up for that ride, and then segue into Orphan First Kill, and uh, I think you'll have quite an evening. I've I haven't seen it yet, but every single response I've seen about it has been like, "Oh yeah." Oh yeah, Orphan First Kill. Oh yeah, just the exact level of deep rhetoric that I'm looking for. Yeah, hell yeah. Mine, um, inspired by today's film Prey. Um, there is a and 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 inspired by my love of original films with unique perspectives and authentic backgrounds. There's a film out from last year called Night Raiders, which is currently on Hulu. Um, it is by a Cree. Filmmaker, her and she might have uh, First Nations as well. So I'm so sorry if I'm not getting all of her tribal associations. Her name is Danis Goulet, um, and it stars. It's an indigenous cast. And what's unique and like a good counter to Prey is this is a dystopian sci-fi in the future, um, like the relative near, sort of like 20 years from now future. Um, and a lot of it is sort of parable of what. Uh, indigenous North Americans went through, but with this sci-fi of like, oh, there's a new enemy and they're trying to kind of whitewash everyone. And the the lead of it is this um, this woman whose young daughter is sort of taken from her and then 
institutionalized anyway it's it's got a lot going on it's definitely rough around the edges but as you know i prefer something that is swinging and trying and giving me something new to chew on um and night raiders is there's not a lot of uh indigenous women making films yet and so i love supporting the ones that are Hmm. Uh, Uh, according to her imdb page she is cree and uh matis Matis. Phew, uh, thank you, Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also, based off Prey, uh, this is a movie that I really enjoyed. It came out, I think, 2019 uh, called Blood Quantum. It is a, a Canadian um, zombie movie uh, by uh, Jeff Barnaby, First Nations. Uh, the, the, it's, a, it's fucking dope. It's a super, such a cool premise. Uh, the, the basic premise is there's a zombie outbreak uh, on a um, First Nations reservation, uh, and some of the residents gets, get bit, and they're like, oh, fuck, we're about to turn to zombies. And they realize that they're actually immune because because uh, they're indigenous and they, that's just that's uh, that's just where their biology works. And uh, you flash forward a couple of years, and now is now now this First Nation reservation has like white uh, refugees trying to come onto their land and like seek refuge and like try to apologize for what they've done. It's really really great. Such a fucking dope movie. Uh, I want to see more stuff from from Jeff. Uh, I, I say like I know him. I don't know the guy, but this is a great film. I think it may be on Amazon Prime. I think that's where I saw it. Uh, check that out. It's a really really fun um, horror movie. Nice. Yes. Um, I was, you know, I, I like to make my picks connected in some way. And, and I was going to, you know, show the glory that is Sanaa Lathan in uh, Alien versus Predator, which, uh, which uh, you know, it, right in the middle, I'd say, <laughs> between like, you know, probably like this movie and a bad Predator. I'd say, you know, it's, it's definitely what, but I found a movie uh, that, uh, <clears throat> Amber Mid Thunder was in that I did enjoy and that I always any chance I get to tell people to watch it I want them to watch it which is Heller Highwater. Uh she mm. had a part in there. She oh. played the yeah yeah. Alonzo knowing that's why I want you on them sporkles. I need you for <laughs> sporkle. Uh so definitely definitely check that out if you haven't already. Uh, just a nice uh one of my favorite movies of that year 2016. Great movie. Good stuff. Uh, but thank you so much, Cody, uh, mm-hmm. for popping Yay. on. and you yeah, know, thanks for Yeah. Where can people find your work? It's a repeat. Uh, he's been here before. He's our best friend. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe he's your best friend, but he's our good friend now. Yeah. yeah. Enough for me friend to, to spread around. Enough for me to go around. Um, uh, you don't find me on Twitter because I'm leaving the place soon. Uh, but, you know, Instagram, yay for Zig. Uh, but check out uh, She-Hulk Attorney Law on Disney+. Plus. It just dropped yeah, yeah. as of this recording last Thursday. Uh, uh, we worked on it <laughs> three years ago at this point, and it's crazy to actually see it on screen and not Tatiana and just like a PlayStation 2 graphics and T-pose. Like, it's nice seeing her actually fully rendered out <laughs> and uh, and complete. So check that out. Uh, the room would really love it and the cast would really love it. Uh, everyone worked super fucking hard on it and it, we're, we're so stoked that it's out and people are, are enjoying it so check that out yay it's yeah. awesome you did it you did it you did it Dre and Alonzo thank you for another great show and uh, thank you listener for listening yet again if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show tweet at us at maximum underscore film our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash maximum film or send us an email at maximum film at maximum fun.org and that's where you can write your hot Line questions or send us a voice memo so do that our producer is the wonderful marissa flaxbart our senior producer is the also wonderful laura swisher this is a production of maximum fun bye-bye
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.